Good morning, good morning, everyone. Oh, we're together. Let's praise the Lord as we stand together. It's a great day. We praise the God who's done great things. Amen. And it's okay to get excited. Chain, oh God, you have done. 
morning. Woo. I saw some people almost clapping out there. It's okay. We can clap. Lord, you do great things. He has done great things. He will do great things. And he wants to use you to do it. I search the world. Sing with me.
ready for this. This is a song about let's be redeemed of the Lord say so. That's us. So we get to say so. Sing with me. He led me out of the desert. Brought me into his streams. River of living water. Turned my bitter into sweet. And all my burdens are lifted. Took the shackles off my feet. Come on. There's no sound louder than a captive set free. So let the redeemed say it. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Come on. Sing of his promises Sweet victory, yes, there's no sound louder than a captive sin. Sing it again, yeah, there's no sound louder than a captive sin. So say it, so let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Sing of his promises. Thank you. 
have some fun this morning. We're going to praise the Lord together. I hear you clapping. Now, some of you are ready to pour out your praise. Some of you are still not quite pouring out your praise, so we're going to give you another chance to pour out your praise. Sing it with us. You are my deliverer. Freedom I'm living. I want to hear y'all today. You are my Oh, y'all sound good. We're singing to you, Lord. You are my deliverer. The freedom I'm living in. You are my deliverer. You are my promised land. Well, you are my deliverer. The freedom I'm living in. Thank you, Lord. You are my deliverer. You are my promised land. Oh, it's sweet. You are my Thank you so much that you call us redeemed. Father, we are so thankful for that, and we are here to worship you and to praise you. Let our praises overflow to you this morning. You are our living hope. You're our only hope. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written jesus christ my living hope who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has say 
Your buried body began to breathe out of the silence. The roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Then came the morning that sealed the seated with you, church. Could somebody say amen? Amen. Woo. First of all, I just want to say how amazing it is to see everybody already in the first service, just seeing people eyeball to eyeball, face to face, elbow to elbow, you know, however it works. I was just so happy to see everybody. I've got to tell you, I'm so thrilled to see you today. It's just fun to be around human beings because we were designed and created for this. Amen? Amen. And so thank you for being here. Thank you. And for those of you that are watching online, at home, in your car, wherever you are, first of all, thank you for joining us today. We love you. We welcome you. And thanks for being with us. If you're a first-time guest today, my name is Jimmy Pruitt. I'm the lead pastor here today. And, I, and also the lead guitar player happened to be today. I'm doing lead lead. So, oh, thank you, my brother. Thank you. It's a joy. I'll talk more about that later. Um, but I want to say thank you for being here. If this is your first time here, I want to welcome you to the bridge. You may wonder why all these people are so excited about. Well, one thing, Jesus. That's what we're excited about. That's what we're celebrating. That's who we're clapping for and cheering for and laughing about and enjoying because in his presence, help me somebody, is fullness, come on, of joy, right? So when we're together and we're with him and he's here, it's just, it just doesn't get a lot better than this, right? So thank you for being here. And for our first-time guests, welcome. Can we give our first-time guests a round of applause? Thank you for being here. Now, if you're watching online for the first time, let us know you're watching. First of all, if you're on Facebook, just do a, do, don't just do a like, do a love, do a heart. 
and let us know. Wave at us. Let us know you're here and that you're watching, and we love to see where people are from. And we, I always go back and read back through those, and if you've got questions or comments, sometimes I'll chime in and answer things. But love to just interact with you, so thank you for joining us. Those of you who are not and you want to know more about the bridge, just go to info at, you can write us, info at bridgefbg.com, or you can go to our website. If you're not on our website right now, and it's bridge, uh, bridgefbg.com. Did I get that right? It's all the same. Okay. So, thank you for joining us. And for those of you that are here, if you're a first-time guest, help us out. On your way out, there's a Connect uh, Center right outside the door on your left. And there's a series of cards laying there. And you can just fill out a Connect card. That lets us know you are with us today. We'll reach out to you and say thanks for being. And then you can look for any of the deposit boxes, the black boxes at the doors. Just drop it in there. And also, speaking of prayer. So glad you asked. So we love to pray. Love to pray for you. It's one of the pillars of our core values is prayer. Jesus said, my house should be called a what? A house of prayer. And so we love to pray for you. So any prayer needs that you might have, same thing. You can stop there at the booth and there's a prayer card there. You can fill that information out. We're discreet with names unless you're specific that you want us to share those. So just keep that in mind as you fill out a card and drop it in the box as well. For those of you watching online, just write us, info at fbg.com. We want to pray for you and pray with you. And then for those of you that are here, we love to continue to pray for our churches here locally. And a lot of times we'll sing a lot of church and pray specifically. But during this season, I've just felt very impressed to pray over all the churches because we're, we're all in this together. Amen. And, and all of us are navigating the ins and outs and the crazy, you know, it feels like all info is fake info at this point. I mean, you just don't know who to trust. So we're trying to sift through all that. And some of us are doing that together. And so others are trying to figure out when they're going to regather and reopen. So... Uh, anyway, so we want to pray for them. But for you that are watching right there in your own community, pray for your churches. Pray. You become the biggest fan of the churches in your community, and God will bless that. God will touch that. That's God's heart. So I want to encourage you wherever you are to pray for your own community. So can we pray together right now? Father, in Jesus' name, what a privilege to be together and to celebrate you, to celebrate your goodness and your grace and your mercy celebrate your person, who you are. That's our heart. We thank you for your presence here today. Father, we are mindful that churches, many are still online trying to figure this whole thing out and navigate this craziness that we live in right now. And we want to pray for the churches and right here in our own community, in our, com in our county, in our area. Father, for three things, I prayed for this uh, three weeks ago, I preached on this. We need the word of wisdom. We need the word of knowledge, and we need the discerning of spirits. We need to know what's behind the news we're getting, the information we're getting. We need to be able to see beyond what we're hearing on the surface and see what's real, what's true. And so, Lord, I pray for that for our leaders and our churches in our community, that they would know in their knower the truth that makes them free. Encourage them today. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen and amen. I hope when you came in, you picked up one of our, uh, you can, it's very obvious that a woman picked these out. Can I just get an amen? For obvious reasons, uh, that way we don't spill on and, you know, you don't want to get to know your neighbor by launching grape juice on them. So, um, so our ladies did this. I think this is a brilliant idea. So 
I'm going to do something before I even say anything about communion. Take out your communion elements. If you don't have them, slip up your hand and we'll get those to you. So Jason's running around. Just keep it up high so he can see you. He's, he's coming your way. Now, you know, we, we joke about being childproof and adultproof, so we just want to be real careful here. So here's the hint. Peel the top layer first. It's a clear layer before you do anything. If you don't, it's going to be disaster. I'm just saying. Now, the second layer is actually the juice. And you don't have to open the whole thing. Just crack it open. Our worship team is going to join you in this as well today. So we want, to, we want to partake as well. So see what I got here? Everybody good? All right, Jason, keep working your way around. We got others who still need that. And while they're getting those elements to you, can I remind you of something? That Jesus, on the night before he was betrayed, was with his disciples... And he had been with them over three years through thick and thin. And Jesus knew he was at the end. He knew what was about to unfold. He, he knew. And yet his disciples, can you imagine them being at the table not knowing what's about to happen? So they're still, they're, they're having fun. They're probably cutting up. They're joking. Mind you, they didn't sit at the table. They reclined at the table, which means they lean over on one elbow. The, the tables were low to the ground. They would lean over. And they would have the table right in front of them. So you can picture them all reclining at the table all around. And Jesus, knowing what was about to happen, caught a moment and saw them, the love that they had, the fellowship, the community. And I think he was moved by it. And he said, he said, listen, he said, something's about to happen. First of all, there's going to be a betrayal. One of you is going to betray me. And you can imagine the shockwave that sent. And then on top of that, he said, the Son of Man is going to be handed over. And he's with them. And whether they knew it or not, it was still going to be the Last Supper like that. So he, he held up a piece of bread, probably matzah bread. It was, it was baked and it was unleavened and it was hard. Unlike our styrofoam invitation here, it was hard. And, and when he broke it, he said, this is my body. And he cracked it. Can you imagine the sound in that room of them hearing that snap? This is my body broken for you. He says, I want you to eat. I want you to partake of it. And when you do, you're remembering me. You're communing with me. And then he held up a goblet of wine. Probably not Pino, but he held up a goblet of wine. And he said, this is my blood that is spilled for you. It's poured out for you for the forgiveness, the sins of many. And in that moment, he passed the cup around. They drank from a common cup. And so we're going to pray together. We're going to receive the elements together. And then right after you do that, we're going to release you to go give your offering today. Now, we're not passing the plates anymore. We see, you can see the, the black boxes at the doors over there. So during worship, after you take the cup, after you take, take the wine, then after you can, during worship, just get up from where you are. If you brought your offering, you're ready. Just take it over there and make your deposit. But do me a favor. Would you bless it before you put it in there? Literally, just say, I bless this in the name of Jesus. And because we give with purpose and on purpose here. We give for the transformation of our culture. We give for the transformation of lives and souls. We give for the advancement of the kingdom. And so you're not giving to the church. Mind you, you're giving through the church. And I want you to see the names of all the people that we're supporting. If I, I want you to put those up there and get your eyes on there. And I want you to pray for them right now, even as you're looking at them. So in the context of communion, 
in the context of generosity and giving, in the context of worship. Let's draw near to him because he says, if you'll draw near to me, I will draw near to you. James 4.8. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the privilege of communion, the privilege, the joy of being one with you. Thank you for our, our union with Christ. We partake of these elements and we remember. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. can stand up after you take the elements. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making
Church said amen. Amen. Please be seated. Hopefully today there will be a little bit of something for everybody, but I have to tell you something. There's a group here today that's really going to connect right in the heart of what I'm about to say, and it is this. I was a 60s and 70s kid. Can we hear it for 60s and 70s kids, right? Some of you are going, some of you are thinking, he's so young, he's just a child. And some of you are going, 60s, you mean like 1960s? I mean, so, you know, that's the spread that we have. You know, what's beautiful about our church is that we are a multi-generational church. That is almost unheard of in the world, I'm going to tell you. We're sitting in a miracle, right? And so it's beautiful. So I want to share something out of my heart, my story, that I grew up in the 60s and 70s, and I found music. I found music to be really, for me, a common thread throughout my life. It's the thing that I gravitate back toward. We've talked about this over the years and even recently where one of the reasons why I just gravitate towards uh, going into my study at home, I've got five, six guitars hanging all over the the walls, and I'll just pick them up, and I'll just strum them. Sometimes I'll play for 20 seconds and put it back, and there's something that's anchoring about doing that. Now, here's why. First of all, the artists of the 60s and 70s, they, in a very real sense, they created 
the fabric of the soundtrack of my life. I grew up listening to this music, and I, I was the kind of kid that I didn't sleep with a sound machine. I slept with the radio on. So I had this going all the time. For example, songs like this, Scarborough Fair, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, Hey Jude, Magic Carpet Ride. That was in the 60s. In the 70s, we graduated. Stairway to Heaven. Come on, somebody, for Stairway. Go Your Own Way, Fleetwood Mac. Sweet Home, Alabama. You know, it's <laughs> Leonard Skinner, Benny and the Jets. Anybody remember that one? Elton John, American Pie, Don McLean, and Some Kind of Wonderful. Remember that one? BTO. And the classic that we all sing to still when it comes on the radio, Bohemian Rhapsody. Come on, somebody. <laughs> we know that song. I'll never forget the day that my mom finally caved. This is for all the young people. Don't give up. Don't give up. <laughs> for years, I had been begging my parents, particularly my mom, because she was much softer, and I, I, could, I knew how to get there. And I had been begging her for a guitar. I mean, I, I grew up with this, these soundtracks in my life. And I remember our, our, we had a house out behind our house, which was a rental house for college students. We lived by Texas Tech University. And so we would, it was always rented out to students. And, uh, and they always had music going and all kinds of stuff. And so I was always in and out. And they always I became friends with whoever was renting at the time. And, and one time, this lady, and her name was Gail, and she gave me a stack of records. I'm talking records, 33 and a third RPM. I mean, real deal records. And it was like The Doors, Led Zeppelin. I mean, it was everything you can imagine. Bad Company. I mean, you just the list goes on and on. And that was like, oh, you know, when she handed these to me. And I wore those records out. But it, it created in me a desire to play the guitar. Not drums, too much, too much stuff going on. Sorry, Carrie. I needed something smaller and more compact. And it seemed like the girls were going for the guitar players more. So I'm just saying I leaned that way at that time. So I'll never forget the day she took me and purchased my first guitar. And it was a little classical guitar from a local um, music store there in Lubbock. And, I mean, it was just like, oh, I have a real guitar. I'll never forget taking it home and cracking open the case and just the smell of that new guitar wafting out. You have to understand, this is in my blood a little bit. You see, um, my family on my dad's side was very musical, not so much on my mom's, but my dad's for sure. And so my cousins who live two, down, two doors down, I mentioned them last week. So every week they had this get-together at their house and all these pickers and players would show up at Aunt uh, Linda and Uncle Dwayne's house, and they all would show up. They'd park, you know, the block that would fill up with cars, and out came the guitars and banjos, and they didn't play violins, mind you. These were fiddles. And, I mean, they would come, and they would And I remember being in that room and listening to them crack open those cases and the smells that would waft out of those cases. Not all good, but smells that would come... It was a part of the fabric of the atmosphere. And for hours, they would sit around in a circle, and all the family would gather, and they would sit around and play. And they might as well have been rock stars to me 
Because as a young man, I looked up to them, and in my mind, I was like, I want to do this. And so I was thinking this last week, why is music such a big thing? And what I realized is that even today, this morning, I walk in. Now, it's changed a lot. There's a lot of, we're all digital now. We're not carrying around amps and stuff anymore. But to this day, when I set my guitar down in my case, and I don't crack it open anymore, I zip it open. And when I zip it open and I open it, I still get the same feeling I got when I was in the fifth grade and when I would open that case to that little classical guitar. It's the same. What is that? It's an anchor point in my life. We all need anchor points because here's why. This world, it's a changing. Did you know that? For the times, they are a changing. In 1964, Bob Dylan released a song called The Times, They Are a Changing. And as I was reminded of that this week, it just came to my mind as I was thinking about, honestly, I was talking to Miss Charlene, I was grieving a little. I had some moments this week where I was grieving. I feel like, I've lo- I feel like we've lost something. We've lost a lot of things, but I actually found myself feeling that a little bit this week. And as I did, of course, I grabbed my guitar off the wall and just sort of re-anchor and <sighs> something familiar. It's not changing because there's not a lot that hasn't changed. Apparently, more's coming. And as I did that, this song, that line popped into my head by Bob Dylan. For the times they are changing, I want you to listen to this and I think the words to this song could not be more relevant and poignant for our time. Listen to this. This is the first verse. Come gather around, people, wherever you roam, and admit that the waters around you have grown, and accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone. If your time to you is worth saving, then you better start swimming, or you'll sink like a stone. For the times, they are a-changing. For the times, they are a-changing. I have a dear friend that used to say, when you're in sin, you're insane. Think about that for a minute, the simplicity of that. And as I look at our culture right now and the world and what's going on right now, Am I the only one who thinks our world has lost its ever-loving mind? Am I the only one who thinks that common sense and common courtesy have been completely thrown out the window? That voices of reason have been completely marginalized in our culture right now? Am I the only one who feels that way? Maybe I'm the only one who sees this. I don't think so. We'll find out come November, won't we? And let me just say this about that. I'm not telling you who I'm voting for. That's my business. But I will tell you this. You need to vote. You need to get out and exercise your right. It is a right that has been given to you. You can go protest in the streets or you can go cast a ballot. And I'm telling you, one's more powerful than the other. And it's not the one of pillaging and breaking and destroying and tearing up. That's not the one that's going to make a difference. Amen? And what do you vote for? You vote for righteousness and justice and truth. But you're going, well, but the candidate's okay. Then vote for the lesser of two evils. Sometimes that's the only choice you get. 
but you need to get out and vote. Can I get an amen? amen. So we're going to help you with that because we're going to get ballot, not ballots, but we're going to get forms in case you haven't registered. You need to register because that's where you're going to have your voice heard. Can I get an amen? amen? Why? For the times, they are a changing. By the time we're done, you'll be singing that with me. Just prepare yourself. Loosen your throat up. Whatever you got to do. Here's something interesting. First of all, tumultuous times and cultures that have absolutely lost their minds are not a new thing in history, by the way. We sometimes think that we're the only ones experiencing this. Well, we are right now. But history gone past. By the way, in biblical times, we see cycles of oppression. We see cycles of political greed and distress and corruption. We see it all through the Bible. You read the Bible, it's there. Right. Oh, I mean, from the table of contents to the concordance and maps, it's there. That's right. There's greed, corruption. Why? Because there's flesh. There's men. There's people that will always, where we show up, mess is going to happen. Can I get an amen? amen? Notice I said we. We're all prone. And so this is not new. In fact, there was a community, and it was called Ephesus, and it was in Asia, and, and it was where Paul had planted a church, and that church began to thrive. But Ephesus wasn't your typical small town. Ephesus was a port city that had major trade routes that came right into it. So it was very metropolitan and very advanced in its civilization. So the Ephesian believers, these are new young believers in Christ, are trying to figure out how do we navigate this craziness? Because it was also full of debauchery. How do we navigate this craziness? Because I'm actually putting away my old life, my old culture, everything I knew, and I'm selling out. I'm turning away from that to Jesus. I'm selling out. I'm giving my life to him. Now, what do I do? How, how do I live? And Paul, by the way, Paul got incarcerated in a Roman prison. He was under house arrest, Acts 28. And he begins to write some letters to these churches that have been planted on his missionary trips. I love the fact that Dr. Luke, a physician, documented in the book of Acts all these, these adventures and these travels and these church plants. Dr. Luke, a high C on the disc test, a detailed kind of guy, was the right guy to record the book of Acts. So we get a very clear picture of what happened in the first century leading up to this. So in Acts 28... Paul finds himself under house arrest, but people are coming and going, and he's writing letters to the churches. You know what those letters became? They became your Bible. The letter to Colossae, the letter to Philippi, Philippians, Colossians, the letter to Ephesus, Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, all the letters, the epistles, they're called. That is what makes up what we have today, and we're reading history. We're reading what he was saying to them while they were under the hammer of Rome. And so they too were in tremendous discord and fear. The world had lost its mind again. Notice a cycle here. Notice a pattern here. Why? For the times, they are changing. Thank you very much. I'll be here next week. Now, here we go. All right. Ephesians chapter 5. I want us to look at what Paul, in the middle of all this, how he encouraged them not to give up. 
how he encouraged them. He said, this is how you should live in the midst of craziness. When your world is upside down, when things don't make sense, when you're scared for us to turn on the TV because really it feels like all news is fake news right now. Or am I the only human who feels that right now? Who do I believe? When the experts are saying things out of both sides of their mouth, one month they're over here saying this, next month, do wear a mask, don't wear a mask. They're bad for you. No, they're good for you. You'll protect everybody else. We're only flattening the curve. I mean, come on. It's insanity right now. So what do we do in the middle of this? Do we go grab a sign and go picket town hall? I mean, what do we do? Pitchforks and, and you know, lanterns? I mean, what do we do? Well, for one thing, we still have a life to live in the middle of all this. Listen to what Paul says, Ephesians 5, 15. Be very careful then how you live. You know why? Because people are watching you. If, you get, if you're at the water cooler at work and you go on a political rant and you're a leader at your local church, you think your, your friends who you work with don't know that? And they're going, wow, he's just like everybody else. I know, that was really right in there. Listen to this. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Three, three, four weeks ago, I preached on this. We need three things in this. There's spiritual gifts that are released by the Holy Spirit for our benefit, but for the benefit of all. It's the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. We need to know what's behind what we're hearing so that we can see the truth. And when you know the truth, the truth makes you free. Amen? So we need that. He says, be wise. Verse 16, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Does this sound familiar? Why? Because of the times. They are a changing. He says this. He says, make the most of every opportunity. I have to tell you, though, in the middle of all this craziness, in the people who write me, the conversations I've had, the people I've met with, every clerk I talk to, there have been opportunities to leak life and to leak hope and to leak joy so that people look at you and go, how can you live up in a down world? And you're like, thank you for asking. I'm glad you did that. I'm a witness, and this is what a witness does. A witness answers the questions. Our life should be so compelling in the way we navigate this mess that people want to know how are you joyful when there's not a lot of joy around. How are, you, how are you not losing your mind when everybody else is, is, is freaking out? Hmm. Well, let me tell you. Glad you asked. Making the most of every opportunity. Verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Every morning you get up, the first thing out of your mouth should be, Father, what do you want done today? Father, what do, you want, what do you want said today? Father, what do you want to do? Father, how would you have me go? We're in this together. This could be the greatest adventure of your life in this season, or this could be the most depressive, horrible thing you ever experienced, and all that is is perspective and vantage point. Tell you what we need. We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like we have never experienced in our lifetimes. And let me tell you something. I know in my knower that a tsunami of the Spirit is coming. Amen. How do I know that? 
because I've watched every documentary known to man on tsunamis. I am an info junkie. Just ask my wife. I am an inf I don't know why. I'm just wired that way. When I took the, the strength finders test by, by Tom Roth, man, number one, intellection. Number five, thinking. I mean, I am that guy. Just, I feed on it. So I love documentaries. But here's what I know about a tsunami. That if you're standing out in knee-deep water on the beach and it goes out and never comes back, it may be too late for you. You should be running at that point for all your worth because a wave is coming. And let me tell you something by the Spirit right now. The bay is draining. Everything we've known to be comfortable, secure, safe, warm, woo, splashing around, life is good. The water's gone. Have you noticed? You know what that is? It is a setup for a comeback. I'm telling you, the bay is draining, and I'm telling you, there is a wave coming. But it's not a wave that's going to destroy. It's a wave that is going to lift you. You're going to ride it. Amen. I met with Tommy Hayes this last week for two hours. We could only handle two hours because we were outside and we were melting to our chairs. But we had such an amazing conversation. See, he has teamed up with Max and Dean Lucado. You may have heard those names before. And they are now, they've started an emphasis where they're now praying for revival in San Antonio. So I reached out to Tommy. Tommy reached back. And I said, hey, we're praying for that over in Fredericksburg. So you're not going to get it all to yourself. We so we got together because we're friends. And we hung out and we talked about revival, spiritual awakening, outpouring. I just happened to be studying and preparing for the series that we're going to start in August called 40 Days of Rain right here where I'm going to unpack classic historical revivals and we're going to look at what's happened, what can we learn, and where do we go from here because here's what I learned about living in West Texas about harvest is that you prepare before harvest gets there because if you're not ready and harvest comes, you're behind the curve already. So we're going to get ready. We're going to talk. I'm going to fall over that before it's over. Here's the deal. We're going to get ready for harvest. Amen. Nearly three years ago, Max Lucado got a word from God. Yes, I'm telling you what he said. He met with us at the time I was a campus minister for Oak Hills. Remember that? And we had a group of campus ministers. He came, he sat down with us, very sober. He said, he said, brothers, he said, I got a word from God in my prayer closet this morning. And we're like, and he said, harvest is coming sooner than we think it was all I needed I'm kind of like I'm, I'm a revival looking for a place to happen you know what I mean I'm just like I sick them to a dog I'm like I'm living for that I'm living toward it because I have experienced it I know what it's like I've been there I've seen it I've touched it I've tasted it I've been in the middle of it I know and if they've ever touched it you'll never be satisfied again you can never be content again with status quo is anybody here tired of status quo Christianity? It's not exactly winning the world right now. It's going to take more. So as we were talking, I, we were talking about, I was talking about William Seymour from Azusa Street. Now listen, what you may not know about William Seymour, so he's at Azusa Street. This is a little Baptist church in Los Angeles area. And Evan Roberts, who ignited the Welsh revival in Europe, it spilled over to the United States. 
And we're going to unpack all of that t- later, but I'm just going to give you a little tidbit here. So William Seymour was a black Baptist pastor. And he got touched by the Holy Spirit of God under another ministry. Uh, we'll unpack that later. No de- need for details. So what he would do during the services, he would walk out on the platform. He would sit down. Remember how churches used to have thrones? You ever have a church that had thrones and the mighty man of God would sit up on the throne, you know? So I'm so glad we don't have those, by the way. So he would sit up in his, his funky chair. And what he would do is he would take a box. Listen to me. He would take a box, he'd put it over his head, and he would wait. Sometimes five minutes, sometimes over an hour. The church is going on. He's sitting there. Picture the scene with a box over his head. Every time he put that box over his head in the context of worship, God spoke to him. It would tell him what to do. Now, some of you are going, that's crazy. You know why I know that? Because when I shared that with Annette, she said, that's crazy. <laughs> and here's what I've known. If you read the biblical record, all the great miraculous moves of God. By the way, the God who worked miracles still works miracles, family. The God who spoke still speaks, family. The God who moves still moves. But we have to prepare ourselves for that. So he would hear God. and he, so Here's the thing. God often, more often than not, brings you what you need in a package you don't necessarily want or like. I'm going to say that again because that's worth remembering. God often, more often than not, brings you what you need in a package you don't necessarily want, like, or prefer. Can I get an amen? Amen. Anyone ever been stretched before? There were times that I went to all kinds of services as a young follower of Jesus, and I was so dead set against what they were doing. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that cannot be of God. They're lifting hands in there. How can that be? Look at me. Look at me. It's all about them. What I didn't realize, because I didn't know any of their stories, that they were so thankful for what God had done that like little children, they were saying, Daddy, Papa, hold me, hold me. I'm yours. All I have. In fact, I'm exposing myself because I'm not going to protect myself. You know, there's different postures in worship. Oh, man, you sit here during worship. Why are they all excited? What are they excited about? That guitar's out of tune. Pastor Jimmy just missed that note. <clears throat> Which I did today. <clears throat> you see, we get hung up. Pastor Jimmy just nearly tripped over that thing. We're missing the whole point because we're closed. But when you live like this, oh, God, you're so amazing. You live in wonder, and you're like, oh, God, whatever you want. You need me to put a box over my head? (laughs) Please don't make me do that. But, Lord, I love you. (laughs) Whatever, wherever, whenever. The thing about William Seymour, and when he was questioned later about why he did that, he said this. He said, God has to humble me or I can't hear from him. He knew it was weird looking. He knew it was crazy. But he had to literally, in a sense, he was willing to humiliate himself for the greater good. Because he valued the voice of God in his life so much. He was willing to look stupid. He was willing to look crazy and willing to look foolish. You know, they thought Noah was a nutcase. You remember that? Till it started to rain. Suddenly that nutty guy didn't look so nutty, did he? 
I used to think the people that stood on the corners and said, repent for the it is near were nuts. I'm starting to wonder. I'm about to join them. We have to be careful how we judge what's going on. I'm going to ask a favor of you as we continue through this. In fact, let me just share the next verse, and I'll, I'll ask this favor in a minute. Verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Why do we need to always be filled with the Spirit? In fact, that verse actually means ever be or continually be filled with the Spirit. Here's why. Because we leak. As we should. Everywhere we go, we should go as leaky vessels. Leaking out life. Leaking out hope. Leaking out love. Leaking out grace. Leaking out power. Leaking out the presence of God. We should be leaky. That means we need to ever be and continually be filled where we become a conduit of his grace. He just comes in and goes out, comes in and goes out, never-ending flow. Somehow we just want to be a reservoir instead of a river. Here, let me just give me what I need just for me and my little family, and I'll be okay. Don't make me do anything crazy, God. Don't send me anywhere. By God, don't make me say anything to anybody about my faith. And Lord, I'll just go with the flow of the culture. I'll just cave in to what they desire. I'll just go with whatever. I'll never reason. I'm just going to just sit back and just, just me, I got just enough. No spillage, no leakage. Why? No overflow. No overflow. Let me ask a favor. As we prepare our hearts for what I believe is a coming tsunami, what Tommy Hayes believes is a coming tsunami, what Max Cato believes is a coming harvest tsunami, as we prepare our hearts for that, Growing up in West Texas, you got ready before it was here. You got your tractors ready. Farmers do not sit around and twiddle their thumbs. They're getting everything ready because when harvest comes, the window is short. And they got to be ready. As we get ready, I'm going to ask you to do something, one way to prepare your heart. And it has to do with worship. I'm going to ask you to try to do something you've never done in worship before. Shock and awe. If you've never lifted your hands before, try it. <laughs> so here's how you do that. I'm not saying go to the moon. I'm not saying reach, you know, pick the cherries off the tree. I'm saying just carry a loaf of bread. Just, just start right here. Just carry some bread. Here it is. Nobody is to see. Nobody will even notice. But God will honor you stepping out. God will honor you trying to express yourself more. It's another level. So I'm not saying take 10 steps. I'm, taking, I'm saying take a baby step, as my former employer used to talk about. Baby steps. Dave Ramsey. Take a baby step. Uh, it kind of looks, I don't know, Pastor Jimmy. I mean, I love you and you know, I love the bridge, but boy, what are we afraid of, Really? Look around the world right now. People are losing their minds. You know what they need to see? They need to see something real, something authentic. But here's another thing they need to see. They need to see real power generated by the Spirit of God. Real power. Why? Because the times, they are a change. Drastic times, drastic times call for drastic measures, right? Is it really, though, drastic to worship God with your heart, your soul? Chuck, I said this in the first service. I see you sitting there. I may cry when I say this. I miss Melissa Hughes.
She stretched me. She stretched a lot of us. She was out there. But you know what? The first time I got to know Melissa, I was like, whoa, my gosh, that girl is like over the top, Chuck. I, I know. You know that very well. But then I heard her story. I thought, no wonder. No wonder she praises God like that. Amen. See, so often we don't know people's stories. We judge their worship or we judge their expression. We, we think, oh my gosh, they just want attention. No, could it be they're genuinely grateful for what God has done in their life? Could it be that they're, they don't care what anybody thinks because they are all of his and he is all of theirs. And so they just don't care anymore. They're not worried about being dignified or seditified or whatever you want to call it. They're because they're all in. That's what I loved about Melissa. She pushed all of her chips to the middle of the table. And it was Katie bar the door after that. And if you got in her way, you, know, you may get a, an arm or a hand. You never knew. But just stay, right? Give her six feet. That was, that was worship distancing there. Just to give her some space. But I miss her because she stretched us, Chuck. She stretched us. Amen. Yeah. I miss, I miss what she brought. So we need some new Melissa's to rise up. Amen. Quit being ashamed. What do we have to lose in this world right now? Really. What do we have to lose right now? Because the times, they are a-changing. Speak to one another. Listen to this. Speak to one another. Verse 19. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Whew. By the way, for you former Church of Christ, that is not an excuse to not have instruments in worship. That's all I'm going to say about that. Moving right along. Verse 20. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence. Now, I'm going to backtrack just a few verses to what came right before that. Because Paul, in this letter, was talking about how the light has now begun to expose darkness. And that is what is happening culturally right now. If you have a pulse, you should be able to tell there's some darkness going on right now. I think we'll show it in November. I think, I think America will show up to the polls and go, you had your time on TV. Yes, you had the media in your pocket, but here's the deal. We're voting. So look out. So listen to this. Ephesians 5.13. Ephesians 5.13. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. Walk in a room, click on the light. There it is. And hopefully there's nothing crawling around in there. So it exposes everything. Listen to this, verse 14. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said. Paul now quotes, and we don't know who he's quoting. It's in quotations, but there is no reference anywhere in the Scripture. It may be an amalgam of several Scriptures put together. No one knows. Theologians are confounded. I love it when that happens. Look what happens. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Man, I'm telling you, come on, church. Come on, for the times. 
They are a changing. Let me end with this. I want to invite the worship team. We're going to go out with worship. Man, we're going to, we're going to sing a song called I Surrender. Could we in this moment surrender? Could we in this moment surrender? Go ahead and worship team. Let me read this one more time. Remember, this is from uh, Bob Dylan, 1964. Come gather around people wherever you roam and admit that the waters around you have grown and accept, accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone. If your time to you is worth saving, then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone. Help me, family. For the times, they are a change. Father God, we honor you. We bless you. Oh, God. Lord, in my heart, even this week, as I, as I saw it, 29 counties were shut down in California told they could not worship, they couldn't sing, couldn't chant, couldn't gather. Part of me grieved right along with them, but a part of me was like, oh boy, the enemy is poking the sleeping bear. So Lord, the worse it gets where sin abounds, grace abounds more. We trust you in it. That Lord, things are escalating and it's okay. We don't have to be afraid. Father, my prayer, my prayer is that we will wake up, even as Paul challenges us. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise. Rise. And the light of Christ will shine upon you, Lord. So, Father, we position and posture our hearts before you as sons and daughters. And even as we worship on the way out today, Lord, we want to declare our surrender to you. And Lord, I'm not looking to put a box over my head, but Father, I'm saying I'll do whatever it takes because I want to be a revival looking for a place to break out. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen, amen and amen. Would you stand with us?
that is our prayer this afternoon, Lord, to surrender. For those of you who uh, would like to step out quietly, you may do so. You are dismissed with the peace of God to go with you. If you are still here with us and you want to stay in this moment with us, that is stirring in your soul to get right. This is your time to surrender. Pastor Jeffrey will be in the prayer room on your way out to the left if you need to go. Go in peace. You are loved. You are blessed. Let's do that song again if you'd like to stay with us.
His promise is yes. In Jesus, all the promises are yes. Amen. Be a blessing.